To the Goodies Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Rob. And I'm Richard. And this is episode nine, looking at the Commonwealth Games, also known as Sporting Goodies or Goodies of Sport. Broadcast as the second episode of season two on the 8th of October 1971, again a Friday at 9.20 pm. Rob, what did you make of this one? I've got two things out of this episode. One, it was. Um, I now know that I was uh, born the day after this episode screened. Yeah. Two, it's not very good at all. <laughs> Richard, how do you feel? Uh, well, I wasn't born uh, the day after it was screened, but uh, no, I, I don't think this is one of the stronger entries in the uh, goodies canon, I don't think. It's, um, it's almost one of those episodes that you're happy for the BBC to have destroyed, <laughs> perhaps. Look, there's a certain... Look, there's obviously a novelty value to it, because it was a, a, a effectively a missing episode. It was, and it's one of the last ones I ever saw, because yeah. it just wasn't around. And what exists is only in black and white. We'll, we'll touch on that after our sort of general discussion. Now, as a bit of background to the listeners, I did check out, and in 1971, there actually obviously wasn't the Commonwealth Games, it being an odd year, but 1970, we had the Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh. Yep. And 1974, it was in Christchurch, so nothing really changes. It just sort of does a lap of Britain, New Zealand, Australia, and Canada, and <laughs> then comes back, I think. Uh, interestingly, though, 1970 was the first time the word empire wasn't in the title. So the two before that had been the... Oh, the Empire, the Empire Games. Well, no, before that it was the Empire Games. Yep. Then they had two that were the Empire and Commonwealth Games. And 1970 was the first time it was just the Commonwealth Games. So there you go. So where to start? Look, the premise is obviously them being hired, in this case by the government, to help them win the Commonwealth Games. Yes, I yes. mean, you, you sort of start out with the thing, Britain is obviously either too lazy or too incompetent or whatever to, to actually fund and send a proper team there. Um, so they think, well, well, we'll do the next best thing, we'll hire these three blokes. But, yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, sort of hijinks don't, don't really ensue. Yeah, I, I kind of get the feeling that they think that the Commonwealth Games is right for a bit of physical comedy, right for a few jabs... They obviously think that the idea of having a country called August Bank Holiday Island is hilarious. And look, it's funny, I guess, mm. but it's not something you'd hang an episode on. Well, look, I mean, you, you sort of get to make the... I mean, they make the fairly obvious joke at the start, where is it? And they go, well, it's between Christmas Easter. Island, Easter Island and Christmas Island. <laughs> yes. Um, and look, that's a funny joke. And, yes. and the thing is, if you look at the globe that they present and they've got the microscope mounted to, it's actually somewhere off the coast of Canada. Um, <laughs> if you, right, if yes. you look at where the microscope's placed. Yeah, mm. I, I figure that's just because the microscope wasn't going to stick Yes, I think so. They obviously the didn't have a globe that rotated the other way. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, look, I can kind of see where they were trying to go, but they don't really get there. So they have the meeting with the minister up in the top. No, well, I suppose it's a bit at the start where they're, they're looking at Tim sitting there trying to watch the, the motionless test match. Yes. yes. I, I thought that that was the funniest part of the episode, and I thought if they'd gone with that, 
it would have been a better episode, but once yeah. they got away from that, and, and well, you, you they sort just have, dropped off the perch, basically. You sort of have that, and Tim's trying to watch a test match, and Graham and, and Bill are playing Jess. Now, they, I must admit, that was quite funny, where he says, if you move there, your, your, queen, your queen's <laughs> in danger. Graham very obviously cheating by going over the computer <laughs> and getting the next move. Then, I mean, you, you have Tim, he gives his little lecture about sport and politics and, and how the Empire taught the, you know, taught the people of the Empire cricket so they could go out <laughs> then and beat them. Which, which unfortunately, in case uh, Australia, we turned out to be somewhat better than they did a lot of the time. But Yeah, but not the most recent time. No, no, no. <laughs> and yeah, look, I actually made a note here uh, where I said it's really obvious that there's just a freeze frame to represent the test match on TV and then scribbled it out and said, oh, that's the joke. Uh, yes. I, I think so. I mean, there, there is a, it, it is a little bit topical, I guess. I mean, we've just had the Commonwealth Games and they do the bit about sport and politics because that's not all that long. And, and with the cricket particularly, it's not all that long after the whole, or after South Africa really went into their isolation mm. period around cricket after the, the MCC tour and when they were going to pick Basil Dolivera. So I, I guess that's, that's topical and that's something perhaps now that's maybe missed a bit. Yeah, look, I think the, the concept of sport and politics still resonates but they don't, they don't really go anywhere with it no i mean it's not i mean i remember i mean you would remember coming again on tangent a bit you sort of get into the 1980s and you have the boycott of the moscow olympics yeah. and then you have the russians boycotting the, the 84 olympics mm. in in los angeles yeah remember of course uh, there's the tours to south africa the, the, the rebel tours yeah um but no you're right they don't really go anywhere with that no so they then get called up to see the minister at the top of what is now elizabeth tower now i have to say that set must be reused from somewhere because that is a very, very detailed set for a one-off scene. Mm. Yeah, I reckon I've seen that somewhere before as well. That that because it's down even the individual the cogs the cogs mm. in the workings of Big Ben work. Yeah, no, it's quite effective. Um, it's a shame that we haven't seen it in black and white actually. So they then get on, they get tasked to help train the Olympic team, who turn out to be a bunch of old MPs. Yes. Now, yes. now, shall we shall we talk now about that scene that follows? Richard, <laughs> why are you throwing them at no. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, the thing probably to say about the Commonwealth Games, it was a, a missing episode for a period of time. And the copy that was returned was, the copy the BBC had was returned from here, uh, which of course means that it had been through the Australian census. Now, unlike, uh, say, last week's one, which passed here uncut. Last week's being Scotland. Yes, last week's episode being Scotland, which passed through here being uncut. This obviously has the scene where they have to or some part of the scene where they have to take the sex test has been removed and there are three edits and look i'm not going to go through blow by blow but that the essential thing of it is the group of old men are obviously taken into the bedroom by the minister's secretary then the extant scene she then comes out and says that they've all failed and then of course they throw all the three goodies will have to do it and clearly they've already been there so to speak I just, and I guess we'll get into that and what you couldn't do now, but I mean, it, even as presented on screen, it's just kind of tacky, really. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones, we'll, we'll talk about why they could or couldn't get away with it later on, but even as a joke, it doesn't land, I don't think. No, I, I didn't. I mean, the audience, again, seem to be getting into it, well, the, the bit that survives, but I, I don't know. As I said, it just felt tacky, really. Yeah, I, I wondered if it was something that was designed to be the way they switched the plot from them being coaches to them actually having to be the athletes and they needed some way to disqualify the, 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 the old the old the old MPs. Yeah, yeah well well I, I guess I guess they would have started with the premise that they would actually be athletes 
then they said, well, if they're athletes, then we can't go and be the athletes and do the comedy. Mm. So how do we have the athletes not be the athletes? And whether it came out of that, I don't know, because they've done variations again on that mm. in, in future episodes. You know, there's some reason why you know the athletes are on strike or the athletes are all gone to other countries or something. I, I don't know. I don't quite know where they're going. Or maybe it was just, just for the gag of um, Hertz basically basically saying it's okay, they've already... Um, They've already had me. Yeah. And they're, they're slightly embarrassed looks, and I'm kind of embarrassed saying it. This this episode was screened after 10 o'clock at night, is that right? No, 9.20. 9.20. So is it, it's almost as if it's inserted to justify going out so late in the evening that you can get away with a sex joke that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do earlier in the evening, perhaps. Perhaps. But, but maybe we're reading too much into it, and it's just a joke that doesn't land. It, yeah. And it's very poorly edited by the ABC. Either, either keep it or get rid of it. I would have thought, you, if you're going to cut it, you'd just cut the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I would have thought. Let's but... face it, the ABC censors were known for their love of you know, carefully maintaining the drama whilst wielding their craft. They would just, no. They'd just cut stuff out. Yeah. You know, we're all familiar with other programs that suffered hugely because of... Yes, because of, it, because of the Australian censorship. Board. Yeah. Do um, I was just thinking, the, the fact that it only exists as a black and white episode, does that harm your viewing of it at all? Does it distance you from it? I, I think it, it has to because part of the charm of the goodies is the physical comedy, mm. the visual comedy, the colour, the movement. And when you not only take out the colour, but the copy that we've all watched on YouTube is, or, or, or you know, yes. back when we had them as multi-generation dubs on VHS, they were not good quality. Not very no, sharp, no, they they? Were, no, they're not. The, the only bit that exists in colour is from the title sequence. Yes, it's a bit they we're... reuse later on, yeah. where, where yes. Bill's getting the massage. Yes, yes. So we then get into their first um, montage, which they're, is their training, training, the training session. But what do we think of that one? There, there's certainly some phys- good physical stuff in there. I mean, there's a bit where they, they initially get, try to get on the bike with the dumbbell. Um, and there's a bit there where they give it to Bill and he just goes straight off the back of the bike with it, yeah. which is not a bad fall. There, there doesn't actually, appear to be any padding on the ground. He actually no, he, he, d- he does actually fall off the back and, and land. There's an, actually an interesting bit in that where they first come out and where they're going. It's not in this montage. It's in the earlier one where they go out and they are first off to visit the minister. Yes. There's a bit in there where they all get in the wrong positions on yes. the bike. Yes. And the movements they make where they're pushing each other yes. are very, very slow and deliberate, which yes. led me to believe it's a, a piece of film that was obviously meant to be sped up and wasn't. I, I think because if you watch their movements, they're very slow and yeah. very deliberate and exaggerated. Yes, because they're speeding up them, changing slots. Yes. So maybe that you're right. Maybe they did intend for the whole sequence to be sped up. It's a, and I, the, my notes were it's a very odd scene as well. Mm. It just purely, I think, because of the the, the exagger or the slow movement makes yeah. it just seem very odd. Well, I, I think it doesn't. Again, we're now nine episodes into this series. Mm. Why do they not know which seat on the bike to like to sit on? It just it just kind of feels as though maybe they thought there's a gag there and are they under, under, under running. Yeah, like 30 I was about seconds? to say is is it it perhaps they need need a minute, just a bit a little minute something to, yeah. to maybe pat it, it out a bit, it, and then the bike sort of takes off with them, but without them. But yeah. anyway, going back to the actual montage, we should be discussing. Yes, <laughs> look, there was some good physical scenes in it. I mean, yes. there's a bit, as I said, where Bill comes straight off the back of the bike onto the road and the bit where they go through the gates into the park um, and, and what's well, obvious, I'm, it's obviously a dummy Bill, but I mean, he's just left there hanging by the dumbbells. Mm. Yeah, look, there's some okay stuff in there. I mean, there's the stuff, as you mentioned, that they obviously thought was good enough to end up in the opening credits. And, and I must admit, it's always very funny. 
again, as people who, you know, younger people, we, we watch these episodes all the time, we know those credit scenes off by heart. Mm. And it always was a strange feeling to go, you know, you recognise 80% of them. Mm. And there were three or four shots. Where's that from? Yeah. You just don't know where they're from. Yeah. And we see that again with the next set of credits in the next series. But to suddenly see this and go, oh my God, it's from this episode. Yeah. Was, was yeah. nice. I do with, I mean, the, the sort of physical comedy they're engaging with in that scene, it's pretty punishing. I mean, oh, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of running around and falling and, you know, I think they crash into each other at one point. They, they do. Well, Tim, um, there is a, a um, anecdote where he's there with the chest expanders. Yes. Um, he actually gets, he actually got caught up in that and they apparently had to go and get a set of wire cutters and cut him out of them. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think and it got to the point, I think he was actually quite restricted up like this. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, they had to basically rescue him <laughs> from yeah. them. But, well, they, I mean, said they went, you know, some of it was from the trainer, but I mean, they had multiple cuts and abrasions mm. and bruising and, and God knows what from from in minor injuries from from a lot of the stuff, the film sequences they did. Yeah, yeah. So we then have what wouldn't have been a cheap chopper shot to take them on no. on the tandem. No, did um, the BBC have its own chopper? chopper? Well, well, we know from um, the making of other series like Doctor Who at that time, hiring a chopper was 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 expensive, and you expensive. got you got basically one go. At yeah. it a lot of the time because yeah. they wouldn't pay for a reshoot, and it's clearly not you know archive footage or standard footage because no. it's, it's actually got the, the them model, on the bike, them on the bike. So that would have been quite an expensive shot, hmm. um, but it's quite a nice gag that they get chopped out to mm-hmm. August Bank Holiday Island off the coast of Scot- uh, Canada. Canada. Canada and somewhere in the Aleutian Islands, I think actually <laughs> <laughs> that far on the other yeah, side. I think so. Okay. So. Look, we then get into the arrival at August Bank Holiday yeah, Island, uh, which includes signs like Whitey Go Home and a young girl in a grass skirt throwing fruit at them. Oh, I'm assuming the other sign is meant to say White Bastards. I, I think it both goes around the side of the hut, perhaps. Okay. It says White ba- B-A-S on, on screen. Uh, okay. Oh, I missed that. But I'm assuming, yeah, one, so it says Whitey Go Home on one side of the cabin, the other says White Bass, and I'm assuming it obviously goes, is meant, the idea is it goes around the side of the cabin and the, says White Bastards. The one thing I'll say in defence, perhaps, of the treatment of the natives... Yep. Is is it offensive if the natives have the upper hand? I because they clearly do, but they do. I guess the thing is they're show, they're obviously meant to be a, a an emerging nation or whatever you want to call them, um, somewhere that's obviously been you know had colonial powers recently been handed over. I, I don't know because it, it's shown us they're, they're pretty stereotyped. I mean, even down the bit at the end, their flag is shown to be a cooking pot over a fire. Yes, <laughs> um, you know, I. I I get your point. I just think it's probably a little... Look, I don't think, again, and it's not as full-on as some, perhaps some of the other stereotyping mm. we will see later or, or have seen elsewhere, but I, I don't know. I thought it was a little bit... Yeah. Off? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, and I did make a note, though, that the idea of the girl throwing fruit did remind me of that line in the final episode of Blackadder with Field Marshal Haig. You know, it was a very sharp piece of melon, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, we then get to the whole... Uh, again, this this scene where the minister comes back and Tim has a breakdown and cries a lot, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but they go through this really quite extraordinary, convoluted, almost conceited setup just so they can put the goodies in, in, in the lead-blind boots so they won't do well, right down to, you know, they've got the map of the island, which... 
has the huge mountain which goes nowhere. Mm. They then have a mistake in converting Imperial to metric, which, and it's all just it seems like a really forced way to then get them into the boots for that last sequence so they're going to do incredibly badly. And then, and then the thing is, halfway through that sequence, they seem to obviously take the boots off anyway because in the latter stages, you see them pole vaulting and they're hurtling and they're, they're not being hampered by the boots at all. Yes, and, and, and also, look, nobody says that goodies has to be scientific, but clearly they seem to think that vacuum equals weightlessness, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is just an extraordinary bad mm. piece yeah, of science. Actually, on, on the subject of the minister, what... what uh, what did we think of, of him? Uh, yes, so played by Reginald Marsh, who I must admit I haven't made any notes about. He's been in a lot of stuff, just as a generic sort of actor for hire. He's got quite a long list of credits. No, I mean, the, the intention seems to be that, that sort of gormless civil servant or minister, you know, who's been appointed to a role to oversee a, a, a portfolio he knows absolutely nothing about. Um, I mean, he sees there, you know, he's reading the, the, um, reading the book about Teach Yourself About Sport, and they talk about athletics, and he says, oh, yes, I knew horses must come into it somewhere. <laughs> uh, yes, look, it's, it's not like Australia, where usually there's an ex-footballer who's gone into Parliament you can give the sporting yeah. portfolio to. Mm. Um, look, it's an interesting character. I think that he does make the decision to play it straight, and in this case, that's probably the right one. Mm. It means that he's not a memorable character like some of the other guests, mm. but he at least lands his role quite well. I, I think so. I mean, the whole thing with the boots is, well, you know, British British engineers have spent a long time making these, so you're going to damn well wear them. Uh, yes, I could make a joke about the desal plant here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't go into that with our non-Victorian listeners. <laughs> but no, it is, it is a very good gag, typical of that sort of um, government public service thinking. Uh, leads us into the final montage, which is them competing. Competing, and again, I think this had this been done without them being so obviously handicapped by the equipment, and then they'd lost for a number of original yeah. different reasons mm. each time. That would have been quite funny to have basically a repetition of the same gag every time. You know, he can't run fast because he's wearing the boots. He can't hurdle because he's wearing the boots. He can't do the long jump because he's wearing the boots. I mean, the, the best part of it is probably where Bill's in the boxing ring with, with the little kid, and he's just standing there basically just being like a punching clown. <laughs> yeah. He can't be knocked down, and then the kid eventually just tires and falls over. Yeah, well, the Simpsons did that 20 years later. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, and then I must have been, I was sort of thinking, oh, that's kind of cool, they're going to win at least win one, and then he falls through the podium, so they give him the silver medal. Mm. Um, look, we're being very down on this episode. I didn't hate it. But I just didn't think a lot of the jokes landed. No, and then uh, we then sort of again have the bit where they, they, they have to hand over the Commonwealth to, to August Bank Holiday Island. I mean, then, then there's the, the rendition of God Save Our August Bank Holiday Island Queen, <laughs> uh, King. But they come home, and of course, Tim particularly is obviously, you know, really depressed and heartbroken that they've had to lose and that he's been responsible for the downfall of empire. And, and he reaches for the gun that obviously... Yes. And of course, the other two think, all right, we better leave him to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not we'll talk him out of it. Or we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a few moments alone to, 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 to do the deed. Do the right thing. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. And then he, but then he pulls it on them and it's... Yeah. It just... I, th I think that any piece of comedy that tries to end with the joke of pulling a gun on you 
and we've seen it in, we've seen it in so many comedy movies, particularly over the years, where they kind of don't. They've had a long period of gags. They're not quite sure how to end it, so they think, "Oh, we'll do something dramatic and pull a gun out," and it never works, and it doesn't work here. Mm. Unless you disagree, but I don't. No, I I didn't think the ending really worked at all. I mean, look, the the, the final punchline where the minister comes in and says, well, now actually we're not running the Commonwealth anymore. All the other countries have come back, but they booted us out. Yeah. I, I thought, look, that, that actually wasn't a bad punchline, but no, the, 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 the gun scene immediately before it really was, was fairly weak. Yeah, jar- jarring almost, I thought. Mm. Which, look, I think that's probably a good summation of the whole thing. There's, there's some nice ideas, and you can see where they want to go at a few points. I just don't think a lot of it lands. No. No, I'd agree with that. I, I, as I said, I think it's got at the start. I think it's got a, a novelty value attached to it because it's in black and white, and obviously it's it's a rare episode. The fact that it's in black and white was a term from here. I mean, it was screened here, and we know it was edited, but it clearly that means it dropped out of the run here. I'd say around seventy five when we went to colour, and there obviously wasn't a colour uh, version yeah. for the ABC to pick up. So, so just to be uh, clear for our audience, the censored clips, we as far as we know. No, they, ha- they have been found, they have right. been screened. They were found in the, well, I mean, the, the, the same place, the, the censor held onto them as they did with the famous, now famous Doctor Who clips. But, um, and they have been returned, and I, I believe, and I could be wrong, and I don't doubt if I say this, somebody will probably write in to correct me, so please do, because I'm not 100%. I'm sure the BFI or one of them have actually done a screening of the complete episode. I think now the clips, because they have, the clips have been, Transferred and, and a complete version of the episode now does exist, I believe. Oh, okay. And I think it has been screened. I don't think it's been screened on, like, open TV or anything, but I'm, I'm sure the BFI, one of the, the um, special interest groups in the UK, have had a screening of the full thing. And they did screen the clips when the goodies came... Because the goodies did some stage shows out here, if we remember, probably about eight to ten years ago. Yes. Um, they came out and they did their, their uh, Still Alive on Stage tour. They actually came out here again about 2009, 2010. They were only in Sydney, and they were for a comedy festival up there, and the clips were screened there as well as part of that. Oh, okay. Um, so, there you go. Well, hopefully, at some point in all our lives, we'll get to see well, those last few minutes of the goodies we've never seen before. Well, I'd assume if Network... I mean, Network have said they're, they're going ahead with, with DVDs, and the goodies were one they specifically named as, as getting box sets. You would assume if, if the, a complete version of the episode was available to them, they, they, they would release it. You would hope so. You would hope so. Okay, to move on to our set segments, though. First of all, ads. We have our second Beans Mean Teens. Ad. Ad. There's always comedy value in beating children up, isn't there? <laughs> That's my summation of that. Or, or at least Timmy Brook Taylor dressed as a child. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, look, so another one of them. Um, I actually didn't make any specific look at the notes about this one. I don't think it... It was the only ad, wasn't it? No, there's, no, no. A, there's a second no. one. There was a washing powder. Washing powder. Ad. They've oh, got yes. the two shirts and they spray and they, they yeah. oil stain and gunky green stuff stain. Which is amusing because you can't actually see the gunky <laughs> green. <laughs> and then, of course, we washed them in both and, and it didn't make one hapeth of difference. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, is another one of those just very funny takeoffs of obviously what was a, well, I think a fairly standard staple of washing powder mm. adverts even today. They, they mined a lot of humour out of domestic advertisements you know for food or for for for, for, for washing yes um, now so our first time or goodies tropes now i did make a note here that although tim does give a big patriotic speech in the first half it's not to land of hope and glory it's to the dam buster snake yes 
So obviously this trope hadn't yet become Come through. a thing. But, as I think you're about to say as well, Richard, his speech at the end is to land a yes. Well, pomp and circumstance, I think, is the piece of music. Yes. Now, is it true? It's, it's only land of hope and glory when there's words to it. Yes. Is that correct? That's and correct. it's pomp and circumstance when it's just music. Yes. March number one or number two. Two, two I think it is. Or part two, or part two, or part three. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes, by Elgar. So the same piece of music has two different titles depending on whether you sing or hum. Well, so the, it, the actual <laughs> music is called pomp and circumstance okay. by Elgar. Yep. So oh, it, okay. it was written as an instrumental piece. Yep. But words were put to it later on. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's land of hope and glory when there's words, mm-hmm. and it's pomp and circumstance when there's no words. Yes, much like I badly my country, if there's words or host the planets of Jupiter, bringer of jollity, whatever it is, yes, if that's there's right. no words. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's just another example of yeah, um, words being put to a piece quite some time later. But everyone knows it now as land of hope and glory. But yes, no, hearing the Dambusters theme as the speech background yes. was quite interesting. Any other goody first or goody tropes? One I had, and, I, and look, I, I have to thank Andrew Pixley's book for this, is the first time we see them in their goodies tracksuits, um, oh, which we will see yes. in some later mm-hmm. episodes. Um, it right. is, uh, okay. yes, it is the first time we ever see them in their, in their matching tracksuits. And yeah. it's a shame they're not in colour, so... Yeah. I missed that because it wasn't in colour, so... No. Okay. Mm. Uh, the one thing I didn't, I don't know whether it quite counts as a trope, but certainly over the course of their seasons, they would return to the sporting genre several times they do a bit of a shtick on cricket they do a bit of a shtick on the olympics and other sort of sporting things so uh, parts of this episode actually felt quite familiar because i think that the jokes or not the jokes specifically but the themes are recycled in some Mm. future episodes gentlemen what couldn't they get away with today i'm going to lead with the quote and i say quote open quote Whoops and dagos and savages. Uh, End quote. Yes, well, I think that the, it's it's wogs, wops, frogs, krauts, and greasy dagos. I think is actually the other ones he calls out. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, look, it's obviously meant to show that that he's very much Britain uber alas, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and the small minded England. England yes. is the greatest nation on earth, and and we're surrounded that sort of. Uh, and again, I'm using quotes. That sort of wogs begin at Calais idea. Um. <laughs> yeah, look, it's something that we, I don't think we could say has died out in this day and age, but there's no way that will go out of the BBC. No, I don't think you get it. No. And the portrayal of the August Bank Holiday Islanders, again, I don't think you could get away with these days at all. Um, particularly oh. given that you know, the engagement we've had with places like the West Indies and all the rest of it, particularly as they grew as a cricketing nation through the yeah. 80s, and I just don't think it would resonate with anyone today. No, I mean, look, it's not what you would call hideously stereotyped, as in they're all sort of speaking pigeon or, or uh, a bit like they did, which episode was it, Cecily, I think, where they're all making type noises <laughs> yes. when, you, when you encounter them. But it's still, I, I think... Yeah, you're probably still going a little broad with the brush, I think. Yeah, so to use to use the analogy that's so often used to describe these things where uh, when people criticise the way that Disney portrays London and Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins and the response is, well, that's what the audience expects London to look and sound like, yes. so that's what we portray. I guess this would be what a lot of people watching goodies would expect a Pacific Island <sighs> to look and sound and feel like. Whereas today, I don't think they would expect to see that. No. No one would think of that. No, that's probably true. Okay. And the 
this may be a harder segment than usual, gentlemen, but what was our favourite gag? I'm going to nominate the uh, test match gags, particularly the line, you don't play cricket to win, you play to draw. That, that actually was the one I had. <laughs> um, that was the one I picked out, particularly thinking about English cricket, because there was always during the 50s and 60s that, that idea that England's game plan at the start of a series was to get one up and then play for draws. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, look, that was quite funny. I mean, since you mentioned as well, um, the visual joke of the alligator in the pond. Yep. Again, completely silly, but that, that made me laugh, so I'll nominate mm. that as well. Uh, Rob, any suggestions from you? I would say that... Yeah, the, the, the cricket line um, was, was quite amusing. I actually got a chuckle out of, uh, even though I find, found, find it personally offensive, the Krauts, Frogs, Wogs, Wops and Greasy Dagos. Uh, personal experience uh, many, many years ago tells me not to laugh, but today I do laugh. So, Well, you've been burnt by that. So I have been burnt. You can, you can. <laughs> Any other ones you want to nominate, Richard? No, I'd be honest, I didn't really have anything else, I don't think. Um, no, I, I think the best material in the episode probably was in the first five minutes or yep. so. So there you go, listeners. You can go back, find this episode on YouTube, watch the first five minutes and... Really uh, pro- probably actually the, the bit about um, probably the line about Graham's Queen being in danger at the start because that was quite unexpected where he just whips out the mallet yeah um, that, that, that was a very good sequence ability does play it very very well mm. I'm telling you she's in danger <laughs> <laughs> oh well next episode we will be talking about pollution yes I'm looking forward to that one actually this is a bit of an unexpected packet and now it's time for a walk in the black forest You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. Winning! Bill, you do not play cricket to win. You play it to draw.